Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Point of Insanity Game Studios, Geekery in General Podcast. With me today is a man who's so cool, he would give Sub-Zero the shivers. And this is, that is, of course, the legendary Chad. How's it going, Chad? Fatality, your <laughs> soul is mine. And I am a man who's given more nut shots than Johnny Cage. I am, of course, <laughs> Al. No, actually, I'm just joking about the nut shots. Uh, when I spar in martial arts, I take great pains not to kick anyone in the crotch. That that's that's awfully nice of you. Yes. Um, now, my current the the place I'm doing martial arts right now. Both of the instructors are are female, but still, I don't want to see what it's like to kick someone in the crotch. Uh, a female in the crotch. That's just rude. For, for, now, I live in a house full of women. I have two daughters and my wife. And I am told it hurts just as much as us getting kicked there. Yeah, that's what I've been told. And um, I don't yeah. know if I believe it, though. Yeah, we uh, actually we had sparring last night, so that was a lot of fun. You know, you never know how, you know, it's interesting. When you're sparring someone for three who's younger, faster, and in better shape than you, three minutes is a really long time. <laughs> So, but, well, you're still here, so no fatalities were scored. Yes, um, my uh, sensei or the assistant sensei did not uh, rip off my head and tear out my spleen and shove it down my throat. I was actually a little upset by some of the things from the, well, from the video game into the movie, but we'll talk about that as as we go on. Yep. So, just a quick announcement before we begin our topic today. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater. Nah, it's not that kind of show. It's an RPG actual play podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by our fun-loving cast. This is Aaron. Jeff here. Johnny is my name. And I'm Jeremy. And what we do is dive in and play various tabletop RPG systems and games, such as Mini Six, Fiasco, Inspectors, Monster of the Week, Fate, and more. But no matter the rule set or setting, some pretty intense storytelling hits the fan. So whether you like epic fantasy, adventure, comedy, sci-fi, horror, or just horrifically bad puns, we've got something to feast your imagination on. Listen to our full episodes and more at BoneThrowersTheater.com. And may the bones fall ever in your favor. And we're back. So as you probably guessed, today we're going to be talking about Mortal Kombat, the movie. So Mortal Kombat! <laughs> now, let's go back to the early 90s when street fighting games in the arcades were starting to get popular. And Now, of course, we've talked about arcade games quite a bit on this show. A while ago, uh, our friend Lou and I, we did an entire episode just on uh, arcades and how they've evolved over the years. Now, when you were younger, Chad, were you ever much of an arcade guy? I was. I I played the the Street Fighter type games like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, but I was never very good at them. Um, so I was more of a pinball guy. Spent a lot of time and money on pinball, and then like the shooting games. You know, like they they when I was a kid, they had one where you were like a police cadet and you would shoot targets and that kind of stuff. Oh, like and the then, light gun games. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they came out with like uh, the Aerosmith one, and they had uh, they had oh, several Revolution different X. ones that they. What's that? Revolution X. Yeah, they they put a few different skins on it. Mm-hmm. So like you could play with the guys from Aerosmith. That was always my favorite one. Um, you know, but no, I was never big into the fighter games because I was no good at them, and I didn't know any of the secret moves, and nobody would tell me. And you know, you only get so much money when your dad takes you to the bowling alley. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I was more. I played a few fighting games in the arcades, and I've gotten them for the home systems over the years. I was more a Street Fighter guy. Uh, well, Street Fighter Two, because uh, that's the one that really launched the Street Fighter franchise. The original Street Fighter game is pretty lackluster and, quite honestly, very forgettable. But Street Fighter Two really—that's what really. Uh, kicked that franchise into high gear. Yeah, and I remember playing Street Fighter 2. Um, I was played either as the big Russian guy. Zangief. Bison, I think his name was. Nope, that's Zangief. Oh, Zangief? Yes. And then there, and then um, the Indian guy. Dalzim. The, the, what's that? Dalzim. Dalzim, yeah. Those are the two I usually played because I, I could figure out at least some of their special moves. Yeah, and, so. and one of the reasons I liked Street Fighter over Mortal Kombat, I thought the play control was a lot better. Now, granted, the using the digitalized actors, that was pretty, you know, pretty revolutionary for its time. You didn't see that in a lot of games, and it was, as far as I know, it was the first Street Fighting game that actually did that. I might be wrong on that, but um, maybe there's some obscure one, but for the most part, that's what kicked off that trend. And after Mortal Kombat got popular, you started to see the Mortal Kombat clones. So there were, these were other games like Kasumi Ninja, uh, trying to think of some of the others, um, Way of the Warrior. Uh, there was this other one, Tattoo Assassins. So again, these were games that also used digitalized actors instead of sprites. Mm-hmm. But the thing I always liked about Street Fighter, not just the better play control, but the characters felt different. You know, so we, you know, we mentioned Dalzim and Zangief. Playing as Dalzim is a different experience than playing as Zangief. Just mm-hmm. like playing as Chun Li is going to offer an entirely different play experience than those two. Even when you take away their special moves, they still feel like different characters. But my big, well, the, the, my biggest gripe about the early Street Fighter games, or not Street Fighter, sorry, Mortal Kombat is the characters really didn't feel like there was much difference in them other than their special moves. So mm-hmm. playing as Raiden didn't feel much different than playing as Johnny Cage. Uh, and playing as Sonya didn't feel much different than playing as Scorpion. So I might be wrong by that. I might be wrong about that. It's been a while since I played the first Mortal Kombat, but I guess I have made steps to improve that where now, okay, you've got characters... Maybe they are, you know, a little faster, a little stronger. They've got better reach. Well, you know, but you got to think about it too, because when Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, the original ones, came out, they were making that jump from what sixteen bit yeah, into these were... into these stand up games, and they were making the jump from games where you just did the same sequence of levels just at a faster speed. So yep. they were kind of, I think they were kind of a. A, a, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're kind of a a symptom of the time of what a they were. Of the time. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know, it's a point. And uh, but the thing that I have to, a lot of people liked Mortal Kombat for is the fatalities, because oh, yeah. you know, yeah, there was blood and violence in games, but you know, how many games were there where you would, you know, you'd rip off someone's head, you know, or and, and the spinal cord is hanging there, exactly, and. I, that's one of the things with like a lot of the Mortal Kombat clones is they tried to do the fatalities, and most of the time they were less than impressive, and some of them were just downright corny. Like, yeah. I forgot which one it was. It may have been Tattoo Assassins, but it's like one of them, you eat, you eat a character and it, then you poop them out. It's just like really... You know, really kind of over-the-top stuff like that. and Right, right. So, like I said, Mortal Kombat, I do... One, another thing I do have to give it credit for over Street Fighter 2 is it's got a little bit better mythology behind it. Even in the first one, they did have a little bit of a backstory. Whereas in Street, you know, in Street Fighter, pretty much, you know, each character had their own reasons for entering the tournament. Um, and you had the same thing in Mortal Kombat as well, but they they started to craft this entire mythology behind the game, you know, because not only did you have Earth, but you also had Outworld, and then mm-hmm. eventually, as the game progressed, they introduced like the Netherworld and uh, Chaos Realm and Order Order Realm. I I forgot the name of it, but like I said, they started to introduce these different worlds beyond just the Earth. So the basic plot of the game is that Shao Kahn, the Emperor, is trying to take over these other realms. But the Elder Gods, not to be confused with the Elder Gods of H.P. Lovecraft. Correct. (laughs) um, Because, of course, Cthulhu the Great would not, you know, he wouldn't abide by any rules, mortal. And 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 he would look at all this other tournament stuff and just eat everybody. So exactly. So the rules that the elder gods said is that if one realm wants to take over another, they have to win ten consecutive mortal combats. And I forgot however many years the uh, you know between there are between well, tournaments. In the movie, they said once in a generation, yeah. which would mean about every twenty years. Which means they were going into the tenth. Mortal Kombat in the movie, that means they had 180 years under their belt already. Yeah, and, and it even goes by further because even in the movie they mentioned that uh, Princess Katana, Katana was like 10,000 years old. Right. Because um, the realm she was from, Edenia, they actually age extremely slowly. I don't think they're immortal in that they they don't grow old. It's just that they can live for thousands and thousands of years. Right. Right. She didn't look bad for 10,000 years old. If I look, I, you know, if, if I look that good when I reach 10,000 years old, heck, if I reach that good, if I live to be like 80, I would be happy. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, by the time I'm 10,000 years old, I'm just going to be bones. Exactly. <laughs> so now with uh, Mortal Kombat, I'd have to say as far as video game movies go, I think it's probably one of the better ones out there. And, okay, everyone, raise your beverage. Prepare to take a sip. I I see Chad's got his. I got mine. That's a topic for another show. 
Yes, the point of insanity, uh, unofficial uh, drinking game. Enjoy geekery in general responsibly. So, and, and that's you something that, that I, we weren't drinking alcohol, though. Yeah, I'm I'm drinking a mix of root beer and Coke. I'm drinking Mellow Yellow Zero. Ooh. So, as I said, as far as video game movies go, it's probably one of the better ones out there. Now, Mortal Kombat 2 Armageddon, that's another... That's another... That's a topic for another time. I got a feeling that's a that's a song or that's a show that I'm going to end up watching with you, isn't it? Okay, sips. But no, um, yeah, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Don't go out of your way to see it. But if it if it comes on, if I see it on Netflix, I'll let you know so we can review it. So you've probably seen at least a few video game movies, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen Tomb Raider. Now I've seen. I had never seen Mortal Kombat before this, so. In a way, Al, you kind of took my Mortal Kombat cherry. Woohoo! <laughs> um, I've seen Tomb Raider, um, Hellboy. No, Hellboy's a comic. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's more that I can't think of, but. Doom? I never did see Doom. Um, any of the Resident Evils? The first one, I think. Street Fighter with Jean Claude Van Damme? No. <laughs> However, I am looking forward to. They're doing Duke Nukem. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're doing Duke Nukem, and and the reason I know about it is because, as you know, I'm big into wrestling. Mm -hmm. John Cena is going to play Duke Nukem. Okay. So. Yeah, because the, I guess one of the main criticisms that people have about video games, oh, Super Mario Brothers. Nope. You haven't seen that? No. Well, and I guess one of the criticisms that people tend to have about video game movies, and I can certainly understand this, is it doesn't always capture the the feel of the game it was based on. To some extent, I can understand how it's hard to transition because, of course, video games by themselves are in they're an interactive medium, whereas movies you just sit down and watch. So, an, one of the well, let's go back. Remember when we did our episode on Full Metal Alchemist? Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talked about in there is when you are taking something from like a cartoon or a video game and trying to translate it into a, a live action version, sometimes it can be kind of hard to really get the characters to look good because I often find that sometimes they look a little too cartoony or a little over the top and I can't really take them seriously. And I have to say, for the most part, I don't think Mortal Kombat had that problem. No, actually, I was quite impressed by the the work on the face of Kano. Oh yeah, with the I mean, it actually looked like his skin had grown over the edge of that metal plate, and I mean, it looked good. And it's not like it looked like they digitally put that there. Um, and and I don't know if it was done digitally because this was what ninety five. I think this yes. movie came out when. So I don't know if they digitally put it there or if it was more of a they built up using fake skin to make it look like that. I don't know for sure, but either way, it looked really good. I thought that worked really well. Um, I actually thought they did a good job with Goro. Exactly. Goro. Yeah, and I thought he looked good too because I think they did do it with practical effects just because, well, of course, when they do a remake or a reboot of it eventually, you know, of course, they're probably going to CGI him. But Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I thought it looked good. Yeah, Goro did look pretty good. But the only thing, the only problem I had with Goro was in a couple of the scenes where they were close up on his face, you could see the Muppet-like mouthing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than that, though, I mean, the actual character looked good. And they made it mobile enough that, you know, it was like, okay, I get it. I never knew what his finishing move was, but was it just literally holding you with two of his hands and then punching you with a third hand? It depends on the game. I don't think he had a fatality in the original game that he appeared in, but I mean, I'm sh- I know in some of the later games he had fatalities. Uh, like I said, I haven't really played him as Goro very often, but I mean, I'm sure that's pretty much what he did. He just ripped you apart with his arms, and so yeah, I thought yeah, Goro looked good. I do like I- how. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. One of the other things I really like is what they did with Shang Tsung. How in the original game, he appears as an old man. And then uh, later on, he gets, you know, he, he gets younger. But I like how they made the decision with uh, Shang Tsung to have him be about the same, look about the same age as a lot of the characters, maybe a little mm-hmm. older. Because I think that if they did make him as this old man, it wouldn't have looked as good. Um, and again, I, let me just see who played Shang Tsung. Uh, just looking through the cast well, list. Well, you're doing that. The only character that really got to me was Johnny Cage. Because Johnny Cage was supposed to be a good guy. And I spent the entire movie movie just wanting to punch him in the throat. <laughs> well, He was such a self-absorbed douchebag. I just... Wanted to punch him in the throat. Yeah, and that's pretty much what his character has always kind of been. I mean, as the series progressed, he did start to mature a bit. Um, but, yeah, he's always more or less been the comic relief type character. And, yeah, he is supposed to be, I said, this full of himself. And uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, they you know they do give him his little motivator, how there's these stories going around thinking that he's fake. Mm-hmm. And in the reboot game, Mortal Kombat 9, uh, they actually had a little quote in there that I thought was, um, you know, that I, I don't know if it was supposed to be a, a throwback to the movie here, but he was about to fight Kano and he's like, you know, people think that I'm all stunts and rope work and, you know, I am the special effect. Again, trying to emphasize that his moves are real. He's not just an actor. But yeah, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, as Shang Tsung. Um, I also really liked the performance of Robin Shu, who played Liu Kang. Um, and again, I said, I, I thought he looked the part perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there from what I remember of the game. Now, like I said, I didn't play them over, over heavy, you know, but mm-hmm. um, I would play on occasion. Like if I was there with friends or whatever, we were somewhere and they're like, let's play Mortal Kombat. I'm like, all right, I'll waste some quarters. Yep. You know? And Trevor Goddard is Kano. And a little fun fact, uh, do you know what Kano's original uh, ethnicity was? Not a clue. Um, In his original incarnation, um, he was, okay, I believe it was like uh, Italian, uh, Japanese, but uh, the guy who played him, you know, of course, the, you know, being Australian, this was, well, actually, let me double check that. I I don't know if he... uh, Trevor Goddard, is he Australian? Nope, he's English, but you know how he did the, the Australian accent, and the fans, they enjoyed that that uh, 
performance so much that from then on, uh, when they start, Kano became, you know, Australian. Um, so he spoke with the Australian accent and, and all that. Uh, let's see, Bridgette Wilson is Sonya Blade. And yeah, see, I thought her acting, I thought she was very... I, I was not impressed by her at all. Now, I really liked her in Billy Madison when she played mm-hmm. the teacher, but in this movie, she just seemed really wooden to me. She really... she. And I think she was trying to get something through the character of being you know, self-efficient, self-reliant, efficient on her own and all this stuff. But it just came across really wooden, I thought. Yeah, and I think that, see, because with the, the character of Sonya Blade, or Sonya Blade, uh, the reason she's after Kano is because Kano killed her partner. So that's her primary motivation for, right. uh, you know, for entering Mortal Kombat. And I think they were trying to picture her as kind of this, she was so overcome with anger that she really wasn't going to, excuse me, she was so overcome with her anger and driven by that anger and desire for revenge that she wasn't really going to show a lot of emotions. See, but I don't buy that. I just, um, maybe, maybe that was the motivation, but you know, I thought they wasted the Kano character. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't like the way she portrayed Sonya. And I mean, other than that, I really didn't have a problem with the actors. I really liked the guy who was playing Kano and I wish there would have been more of him because he seemed like he had a backstory that was worth finding out about. Mm -hmm. And all you really find out is that, okay, he's an under, he's a, he's an underworld kingpin back in, you know, the earth realm. And he's really rich. And I'm like, so then why is he working for this guy? He's a mercenary. So what's his motivation for being there? That's what I want to know. And then he's having dinner with uh, Guru, or Goro. And I didn't quite understand that standoff they were having. And then Goro tips wine in his lap. And I'm just like, I don't quite, I didn't follow that. Yeah. And the, let's see, yeah, Ash, uh, Lyndon Ashby, who was playing... Uh, Johnny Cage, and honestly, I thought he had the right look for it. And oh, absolutely! And and the fact that he made you not like him, I think that that really showed the job that he did on it. Um, because you know, yeah, he's he's supposed to be this snobby actor who's really full of himself. Right, right. Um, then uh, the main, let's see, there was Chris uh, Casamasa's Scorpion. Uh, Francosis petted as Sub Zero, and really the 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 only real big name star at this point in the movie was Christopher Lambert as Raiden. Right, and honestly, I did like his performance, but his accent did change a bit throughout the movie. Okay, I wasn't the only one that noticed that. Yeah, so that's like, Raiden. Where are you from? Exactly. Because by the end of the movie, he sounded, and I'm guessing he is American. He sounded very American by the end. Yeah, what took he, you guys long? He's actually you know, French-American. French-American? Okay. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, I did like his performance overall, especially how he was, you know, kind of that um, snarky. Yeah. You know, like he was uh, – Yeah, I, forget, I think it was one of the parts in the boat where he's like, um, you know, and if you, uh, you know, if you fail, the world is doomed. Oh, I, I think he gave the best line in the whole movie right after Johnny Cage challenged Sung or uh, 
the the bad guy. What's Goro. his name? Goro. Shung, no, not Goro. Shung the other one. Shang Tsung. When he challenged, or no, when he challenged Goro, you're yeah, right. It was Goro. And he made the deal with with Shang Tsung, and Raiden's like, "What did you do?" And he like kind of goes off on Raiden, and he just walks away, and he goes, and and everything goes quiet around Raiden. And he's standing there, and he looks right at the camera, and he goes, "Finally." Somebody gets it. Yep. And you wouldn't have expected Johnny Cage to be the one that finally uh gets I don't think the... he got it. I think it just ha- was happy happenstance. Okay. So let's get into the movie itself. Now that we've talked a little bit about the actors, how they looked, and also a little bit of their background. So now this is where they introduce that Liu Kang has a little brother, which is never touched upon at all in the actual games. Uh, okay, but it got it got Liu Kang back to to Singapore or wherever he was from. Yeah, so his that was supposed to be his um his motivation for the tournament that you know he needs to avenge his brother because I guess they go into that uh, Liu Kang was supposed to be the you know the chosen one, but since he fled from his destiny, his brother went in his place and got killed. Right, and I, I did like it when he returned to the temple, and of course he thought that you know Raiden was just a beggar, and he's like, Lord, one of the monks is like, Lord Raiden, forgive him. American television has made his mind feeble, or something. Yes, yeah, he's become feeble from a, too much television. Yep. Oh, like that's a little that's a little swipe at the uh, the government in general because remember when we were kids or coming up, teenage years are like we watch too much television as Americans. Mm-hmm. And yet they keep giving us more and more channels. What do we expect us to do? Exactly. Yep. And then the they also I, I do like how they they uh, take the time to kind of introduce how the other characters are going in. Like they show Kane, they show uh, Jax and Sonya going into the club, and you know they're beating people back with shotguns because they're going after Kano. Um, and, and that's where you learn about her motivation. And I really yep. like what they did with Johnny Cage how at first it kind of looks like he's getting into a real fight and then he kicks the guy and he's just kind of standing there dazed and like, this is where you fall down. And then the guy's like, Oh, it falls over. So I'm not doing it again. Yeah. And, and a good actor out there. Damn it. I did it. I'm not doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> so I did like, I did like his opening fight scene against, there was like a guy with a prod, uh, a guy with like nunchucks and a staff. So I thought that was a good way to introduce uh, Johnny Cage into the movie. Yeah. And again, was how that, they sh- was, that, was that Spielberg up there directing that? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that was, that was Spielberg sitting on the director's chair doing that little cameo. No, actually it's Sandy. Uh, oh no. Yeah, you're right. It is. No, I was supposed to be, uh, a cameo by Steven Spielberg, but he had to back out. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. This guy looked just like him. Yeah, so that was Sandy Helberg, who... Okay. Yeah, a little bit of a resemblance to Spielberg. Fooled you, apparently. Yeah, well, you know. When my <laughs> wife looks at the TV and goes, hey, that's Steven Spielberg, I went, okay, yeah. Sure, why not? I don't know what Steven Spielberg looks like, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who the guy that told him about? I mean, I know it was Shang Tsung that told him about the tournament, but he thought it was his buddy or master or whatever. Yeah, his best. Uh, he called thing called him his best boy. So it may have just been someone that I, I, he worked with in the in in the movies. 
Okay, yeah, because I was like, okay, and then he's walking away and he turns in. Uh, and I'm like, ooh, I like this. I actually yep. thought I'm like I'm like this. The movie's starting to move in a way that there's some deceit going on here. They're trying to get people. I mean, let's be honest. The plot is thin at best. I mean, it's a video game mo- movie, you know. So the plot is thin at best. But I'm like, oh, there's a turn I didn't see coming. Okay. So I was getting excited about the movie at this point. Yep. And then when he gets to the, uh, so they get him to the boat, and I, I like what happens before because. You know, of course, Johnny Cage thinks that Liu Kang is just like a, a porter or something. He's like, right. he gives him the money. He's like, you carry my luggage. And he's like, oh, okay. And he takes his luggage, throws him in the water, throws it in the water. Yeah, who goes who goes to a fighting tournament with that much stuff? Johnny Cage, apparently. I mean, what do they have, like eight suitcases? Yeah, something like that. And again, they are still trying to set him up, I think, where they want you to think that he is this, uh, you know, this actor who, you know, conceited actor who right. may or may not have some legitimate fighting skill. Mm-hmm. So, and then they, when they get to the, the boat and again, they're, they reunite with Raiden and this is where we, they introduce Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And okay. But we gotta, wait, 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 wait. We gotta talk about that boat, man. Oh yes. The boat was amazing. I saw it come sailing into the Harbor and I'm like, I wonder, because you could tell there was this big, you know, uh, mast on it, this this front um, figurehead on it, and I'm like, and you couldn't really tell what it was at first, but all the sails were tattered and blown in the wind and stuff, and then, then you get this side look at it as it comes out of the fog, and you kind of see it from the side. It's this big ass dragon boat, and I thought that was the coolest little touch. Yep. Um, but you know, that's just me. Yeah. I I I was excited by the boat. But okay, now onto what you were talking about. Yeah, and this is oh yeah, also one of my favorite parts in the movie, where um, or favorite lines anyway, when they finally learn about the Mortal Kombat tournament, and I think it was Sonya Blades like a handful of people on a leaky boat are going to save the world, and Raiden's like exactly. <laughs> but the thing I, I guess one of my gripes about the movie is what they did with Scorpion and Sub Zero. How both of them they made are made them monkeys. What's that? They made them monkeys to the emperor. Yeah, and it's like in the original game they did have their you know distinct personalities where, and the Mortal Kombat uh, story eventually they flesh out they flesh it out a bit more. But what happened is Sub Zero had killed Scorpion, and Scorpion came back from the dead to fight in the tournament to get revenge. But in the the first game, Scorpion is actually pictured more, a bit more heroic because he, I, I think this is like one, some comic that came with the home version, but he was saying that, you know, he wasn't going to murder Scorpion or Sub-Zero, he was going to kill him in the tournament. And so it almost made a Scorpion out to be kind of an anti-hero and okay. Sub-Zero was the villain. And they, again, it gets weird what they do with it and the rest of the storyline, but um, eventually Sub Zero becomes another character called Noob Saibot, and Scorpion starts to move away from the side of evil to become more of like a more neutral to like an almost an anti-hero, and then you get Sub Zero's younger brother who also takes the name Sub Zero, who ends up becoming one of the good guys. Confused. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. Or just gonna, you're just going to take my word for it, right? No. Actually, it was just making me think. Back in the day in WCW, they had a re- wrestler. And he did the whole Sub-Zero gimmick during that time period. Glacier. He wore the he wore the mask and everything, and he'd come out he'd come out and have fake snow falling and stuff. They called him Glacier, but it was a blatant ripoff of the Sub-Zero character. You know, if you ever want to see some really bad wrestling, just go find an old WCW match with Glacier in it. The guy was horrible. He had the look, but he was horrible. Horrible. Yeah, because I remember I actually kind of liked Glacier until he became a total, you know, until he took his heel turn. Because um, remember, then he also had him tag teaming with uh, Ernest the Cat Miller. That's right. But and, and this is where, because um, around this time, I believe this is around the time that uh, UFC and MMA started to get really popular. So um, I remember WCW tried to introduce a martial arts division. Um, and again, obviously trying to play, you know, trying to market towards the people who liked UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember they had Glacier in it and uh, Ernest Miller, Larry Flynn. I think that's what his name, Larry Flynn or Flint? Flint? I don't know. Yeah. Some guy with the mullet yeah, that, I, yeah. Uh, one of the guys who used to be one of the Islanders in WWF was in it. And, uh, but yeah, like I said, I guess the rules where it's like no pinfalls, only knockout or submission. And th- then of course, WWF did the brawl for all, which was supposed to, which was, I guess, like real fighting. Um, yeah, I just, I've been watching old episodes of Raw, so I've been watching the old brawl for all stuff. Um, I just got through it actually, and uh, it was bad. It was bad. So bad. And I mean, and some of those guys did have legitimate martial arts skills. Like, um, I mean, obviously Ken Shamrock, uh, Daniel Severin, Steve Blackman, um, again, all had legitimate martial arts abilities. And um, I think, I think Glacier actually did have legitimate training. uh, And I think Ernest Miller, yeah, Ernest the Cat Miller also. Oh yeah, Ernest, I know he did. He, um... In fact, he still runs a dojo, as far as I know. Yeah, and uh, so anyways, we're a little off top. Well, kind of off topic, but uh, kind of related. But anyways, <laughs> so, and I have to say, I wasn't too impressed with the costuming for Scorpion and Sub-Zero. I know they were trying to make them look similar to the video game appearance, but for live action, it just didn't seem to work. It, their costumes, and I and I'm kind of glad you brought that up. Their costumes kind of look like they went to Halloween Outlet and picked up a <laughs> Sub Zero and a and a Scorpion costume. I mean, they're ninjas. If you're a ninja, you're not gonna dress in this costume that's gonna have bright colors. Yeah, blue and yellow, like. And what so, the hell was up with Sub Zero's hand? Or not Sub Zero's well, hands. Um, Scorpion's Scorpion. hand. Well, in the game, he has it that... Was a hook. It was a chain and hook. Yes. In this, it was like some little creature. Your guess is as good as mine. Maybe because they... oh, because I always thought that the chain and hook, like the, the hook was near his hand at all times and he could throw it, but it didn't like come out of his hand. Yeah, that's what they did in the video games, um, and especially as the graphics started to improve and they started doing 3D models instead of the digitalized actors. Um, That's how they show it. It is like, you know, it is a physical chain and and dagger-like thing he throws, 
Whereas, yeah, they probably just decided it would look cooler. Okay. Plus, I said Scorpion's supposed to be this undead specter anyway, but... Right. So they finally get to the island, and this is where they also meet up with Princess Katana, which, like I said, I wasn't really too impressed with her perfor- the, the performance that uh, no, they but had she her give. Good. <laughs> I don't know, just... Wasn't she the one that had the um, the fans? Yes. In, in the, the video, video game, game? She had the fans, yes. That would cut you up? Yep. And she never pulled a fan once. Yeah, and the fight she, scene that she had with Liu Kang, it was... That was probably, I think, the worst fight scene in the game because Katana was more or less just trying to, like, you know, put up a show that she was fighting... Um, without, uh, you know, without actually trying to hurt him, because you know she was giving that little cryptic hint, you know, the use the elements that brings life. Right, right. So, and, but, and that turned out to be water. But honestly, when somebody says to me the element that brings life, I think oxygen or air okay. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Now, some of the other early fight scenes uh, were pretty good too. I. The one with Kano and Sonya Blade was okay, but the one where uh, Liu Kang fought against, okay, I don't know the guy's name, but, you know, the black guy, and they were doing yeah. staff fighting. That um, was pretty cool. Yeah, that, I think, was actually a really good fight scene. But the 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 Sonya Blade fight, though the fight itself was pretty good, I thought, and I'm going to say it again, I know I said it earlier, but they wasted the Kano character, you know? And she just she just kills him, and I'm like, "Aren't you a police officer or something like that? Are you supposed to be killing people?" You know, it's like they entered this tournament. All of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, we can kill people! Great, let's do it." Well, there she's she's a military officer, so she might not have that type of jurisdiction. I don't know. That was just one thing that for me it was like these people who they weren't all murderers. Like the only real murderers were Kano and Goro. Yeah. You know, and everybody else shows up at this island and they're like, all right, we get to kill people. I'm cool with that. Yep. And, oh yes, we also get introduced to Reptile here, which, okay. This well, that's, once they go, that's once they go to the outworld. No, he appeared before, because remember he, uh, when they were in the palace, he told them to spy on them. Oh, well, yeah, there was a Reptile. Yeah, the... Which, okay, that, that, uh, let me go back. Yes, I know I was disappointed with uh, Scorpion in Sub-Zero. The reptile character was worse. I'm Absolutely. S- I- I'm sorry, the, the CGI part of it looked so bad. I mean, granted, I know this was 1995, so right. the CGI capabilities were limited. But honestly, I think it would have been better if they would have tried to have him in his human-like form all through the entire thing. Rather than, well, we'll talk about it when we get to Outworld, but yeah, Reptile, yeah, I wasn't too impressed with that part there. Right. So, like you said, the matches along the way were pretty good. Then you, of course, get to the match where Johnny Cage challenges Goro. Nope, we're, we're skipping a little bit. He goes against Scorpion first. You're right. Which well, was, that a, was that an actual match, or was that... Scorpion just trying to kill him. I don't know. Cause I don't think they really made that clear. It's like, okay, did Johnny like 
you know, just go for a walk in the woods. And they said, Scorpion, go kill him now. Or maybe it's like uh, Shang Tsung told him, go here and you'll meet Scorpion. But I did like the fight there, how, yeah, this is where they did show the weird little hand thing. But I like it how they brought him into that, like, dungeon-y place. With all, like, yeah, which sc- is one of the which was almost like one of the scenes you could fight at fight on in the video game. Uh not really the first one. Um, I don't know. I don't don't really think they had anything like that in the video games. But I mean, all in all, I did enjoy that fight scene as well. Yeah, I did too. I thought that one was. <laughs> I like the one, the one part where Scorpion goes. Come down here, and he knocks out the leg of the platform he's standing on, and everything starts falling. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But and I, I like it how, I mean, of course, it was just convenient that that shield happened to be there so Johnny could protect himself. Right. So he defeats Scorpion, and again, then we had, of course, Liu Kang in his brief little duel with Katana, which was pretty lackluster and honestly kind of boring. Well, even Shang Tsung is like, I- I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, and. Right, so then this is where we see, you know, okay, Liu Kang finally gets the hint and, you know, uses the water to defeat uh, Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero. So, now, when we finally get to the part where um, Prince Goro enters, and this part I thought was kind of boring in a way, uh, they had, like, Prince Goro, I think, we let them win enough, and then they show a montage of various people getting thrown to the ground. Yep, and then they have a longer version of that when they're fighting Al, the black guy Al. Art. Art, who's their, uh, sorry, you're the, you're the white guy Al and the black guy Art. <laughs> um, who is, you know, one of their buddies or whatever from from the martial arts world. Yeah, so he and, has somewhat of a, yeah, I guess he, he's like supposed to be a friend of Johnny Cage. And honestly, I'm surprised they never introduced him as like a hidden character in any of the other uh, Mortal Kombat games. So, yeah, yeah, but I don't know. And I guess the thing that confused me about the fight with Goro is when he's dying, how like, you know, uh, Sonya screams, no, it's like we didn't really have much of a, a development with art. Um, right. Okay. He has a few words with Johnny Cage, but that's about it. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know if there's like a director's cut, you know, um, there's like a cutting room floor uh, reel that shows art, you know, actually becoming friends with the heroes or, or no, but it's just his death really didn't have as much emotion to it as it should have, I guess. Right. No, I absolutely agree. It was, it was weird. And to have her scream out like that was even weirder. Yeah. Which is like I said, I'm wondering what, I wonder if there's like a deleted scene somewhere. I mean, I don't have the DVD version of it, so I'm not sure if there's deleted scenes on there or not, but uh, I mean, I, I almost wonder if there was maybe, or maybe there was like a, a scene planned where art did have some interaction that made the, you know, Johnny, Lou and Sonia actually care about him that would elicit this reaction from Sonia where again, she's probably seen lots of people getting killed over this tournament. And then this guy that we barely know, he gets killed and then she's like, no, well, you know, maybe they're, maybe they planned that scene and art was sick that day. I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously this movie had a budget to it. I mean, yeah. CGI in 95 was expensive. You know, there was a budget behind this movie. But 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is on the cutting room floor somewhere, you know, or in a director's cut. But you're right. There was no development of the art character whatsoever. He was the only one that showed up in like a, like a, no, what do they call that dress? Uh, he was wearing like a, uh, you know, the white pants and the white jacket. And what do they call that? The, what's that? A gi. a gi. Okay, so yeah, he's wearing that. He's the only one in the entire tournament other than the in the bevy of guys that died at Goro's hand. Um, but it's just like, I, I just didn't get the character. Yeah, and, you know, there was a novelization of the movie. Um, so maybe they expanded upon it there. Cause I, I mean, I've, I understand that's something that's not unusual where, you know, of course with a novel, you're just writing it. You don't have to film it. So it's a lot easier to, I, I think sometimes it's a lot easier to do things in a novel than a movie because yeah, you don't have to find a way to film it and you don't have to worry about time constraints. So maybe they did introduce something in there that, did explain why they actually would care about art. Right. Yeah, possibly. You know, and it kind of reminds me, I don't, um, you know, when I had the, uh, you know, last episode where I talked about uh, video role-playing games with a couple of the guys from the Destination Unknown podcast, uh, Dave and Gabe, uh, one of the things we were discussing is, you know, it's like, sometimes I think the people on the artistic side might not necessarily understand the technical side of things. Like, you know, one of the examples we gave is that, you know, you might have a someone on the artistic side of a game design team might have this really cool idea for a special attack or something cool that's that's going to happen. Meanwhile, the guy who has to program it's going to be like, do you realize how hard it would be to code that? Spends the next six months coding one move. Exactly. Going crazy, hair's falling out. So, yeah, and this is where we get to the point then where um, they finally decide that they're going to challenge uh, Goro. And um, the, you know, then Cage actually goes on to fight Goro. Mm-hmm. And you got to love it how he, they have him do the nut punch. Yeah, I did. I, I loved how they're like, oh, how are you going to do this? He's like, don't worry, I've got a plan. And. <laughs> And he just does the splits and just just knocks them in the nuts. Yeah, and that's one of the moves that, and I've seen YouTube videos showing the evolution of Johnny Cage's nut punch. Um, the best one has got to be from uh, Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks, where, you know, he gets his fatality, where he gets down in his splits, you know, throws a bunch of hooks at the guy's crotch, looks at the camera, pulls down his sunglasses, you know, puts him back up and then starts doing like rapid punches towards the groin and then, you know, punches the guy in half. What's that? Like a punching bag. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, uh, okay. So maybe the way that he defeated Goro was, you know, uh, less than fair, but I, you know, Hey, I guess if I had to fight some like seven, eight foot tall forearmed monster, I probably wouldn't fight fair either. You know, and and it was it was kind of a lackluster fight because he punches him in the nuts, runs away. Goro follows him to a cliff edge. Those he were attacks blindfold sunglasses, asshole. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then yeah, and then he blindsides him and pushes him off the edge of the mountain, and then he's holding him on there by one of his paws, and he's like, "This is where you fall." 
Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that's cool is um in Mortal Kombat 10, they actually reference this when uh one of the things they do in that game is they when you have two characters start to approach each other to fight, they have different reactions they give. So it's not just like a general taunt, like, you know, I'm going to kick your butt. But one of the things that Johnny Cage will sometimes say to, to Goro is, don't you owe me a pair of sunglasses? <laughs> so I like those kind of things. I like those Easter eggs where if if you're in the know, it's funny. If you don't know, you're like, why would he owe you sunglasses? That is true. And... And I, I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of the longtime Mortal Kombat fans definitely got that and uh, probably found a chuckle to it. So, well, that once Goro is is dead, um, then we find out that uh, Shang Tsung has kidnapped Sonya Blade, which this is where we start to go a little bit more into Mortal Kombat 2, where they kind okay. of blend what happens in the video games. Because okay. I believe the canon ending to Mortal Kombat 1 is Liu Kang winning the tournament. And then in Mortal Kombat 2, the there's a new tournament that's taking place in Outworld. So this is where... Uh, so uh, Raiden, of course, can't interfere, but he sends Johnny Cage and uh, Liu Kang to go rescue Sonya because Shang Tsung's plan is to... You know, he, he doesn't want to fight Liu Kang because he probably realizes that he'll probably, you know, he has a good chance of beating him. But he thinks he could take out either uh, Johnny or Sonya. So they, and then we get to see Reptile again. And this is where I said it's just, I kind of really wonder what they were thinking. It's like the little lizard like reptile gets pulled into some statue thing mm-hmm. and then animates it. And it turns into a green Sub Zero. Yeah, basically. Yeah, they, they did a lot of palette swapping back in those days. Yeah. Because, yeah, there was, okay, first there was a yellow ninja and a blue ninja. And then Reptile did appear in the first Mortal Kombat, but he was a hidden character. So we had a green ninja. Then Noob Sabat, he was the black ninja. And then um, Rain was a purple ninja. And then we had um, Ermac, who was a red ninja. And it's like... <laughs> if in Mortal so they Com- had all the they had all the Morphin Power Rangers except Pink Ninja. Actually, I think I don't know if this is a rumor or if it was something that they were actually planning. I think there was actually there was a plan to make a Pink Ninja, um, or if they did, it would have been one of the female ninjas. Um, but anyways, have you ever seen the movie um, from Dead Gentlemen? What was the first one? Um, the Gamers. The Gamers. Yes. You ever seen that with the purple ninja in there? In the they Gamers. Have a purple, yeah, they have a they have a purple ninja in all their movies. I did not know that. Yeah, and then the big fight fi- fight in the forest is where the purple ninja shows up, <laughs> and he runs around kicking people, and he's the worst like martial artist ever. It's hilarious. <laughs> if you next time you watch the movie, just watch that scene a little closer. Okay. He's in there. He's running around. But anyway. So, but anyways, back to the movie. So after they now, defeat, we're in the, now we're in Outer World. Yep, so we're Outworld. And, you know, Johnny has one of his other little one-liners. It's like, I'm in a hostile place surrounded by people who want to kill me. It's like I'm back in high school. 
Fair enough. He was it, probably part of the drama club, so. Yeah, probably. So, uh, they meet up with Katana, you know, and then, of course, they, they don't they don't show them. Because, uh, you know, they they somehow acquire these monk robes, and they follow, yeah. they, they use that to get into the tower, which, again, they probably just felt it wasn't Suspend important. Suspend disbelief. Yes. Suspension of disbelief. Disbelief. <laughs> And we have not used that as much in this movie as we did in the last one. Troy the Odyssey, yes. Yes. Why is this happening? Suspension, Suspension of, of disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we get to the part where Liu Kang finally gets a chance to, to challenge uh, Shang Tsung. And for the most part, I did enjoy the fight scene. I did like it. I'm not sure why they had all those guys with weapons all of a sudden pop out and fight Liu Kang. Oh, it had something to do with what Katana said. You have to face your enemy. You have to face yourself and face your greatest fear. So his enemy was the souls within Liu Kang. Mm -hmm. Or within... um, Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung. He had to face himself, which was dealing with the fact that his brother was killed when he was not watching. And then he had to face his greatest. No, he had to face himself. That was that was the first time he ran up the stairs and was talking to Liu Kang, or to Shang Tsung. Then and then he had to face his greatest his brother. Yeah, yeah. And then his his greatest fear was that it was his fault his brother was killed. So he had to face that, and he had to go through all three of those steps in order to defeat Shang Tsung, which he does in the lamest way possible. But anyway. Yep. So then they finally, and I do like how they kill him off where, you know, Liu Kang knocks him off the thing and uh, Shang Tsung falls into the blades that conveniently happen to pop up. Yeah. Did you notice that he only fell on one blade? How did he manage that? And the only blade he fell on was through his chest. Chad, say it with me now. (laughs) On the count of three. One, two, three. Suspension, Suspension of, of dis- disbelief. <laughs> I know, but, <laughs> but so after the uh, after they finally manage to free Sonya and uh, they start to head, they return victorious to Earth, and that's when all of a sudden Shokan appears in the sky and is like declares that he's going to, you know, he's, it's like yeah, you pathetic fools or whatever, and then of course Raiden's like. In the, a, a different accent now, I don't think so. And, you know, they start to get to their fighting things, which, okay, yeah, you knew that they were planning a sequel at this point, And who knows, maybe someday we'll get around to doing a, an episode about the Mortal Kombat Armageddon. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for it. It was not, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I never watch movies based on video games for the most part because I find them to be, and this one is no exception to this, plot is thin. Because you can only do so much in a video game. You know, um, I watched... They did quite a bit of plot in Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raider, with Angelina Jolie. And I thought they did a pretty good job with that. I have not seen the new one. I, have you? Uh, no, I've not seen Cradle of Life or Cradle of Fire, one of the two. Yeah, whatever it's called. Um, I've not seen that one, but 
I and so I tend to stay away from those type of movies because well for two reasons. One, I don't want to spend the money to go see them in the theater. And you don't want to watch them on a small screen because they're made for the big screen for a reason. You know, it's all action, it's all and it just doesn't play the same on a small screen. So that's why I tend to stay away from those type of movies. However, this movie overall I really enjoyed this movie. Um you know, if we what 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 God, it's been a while. What do we use for a rating system? Five? One to five, yes. One to five. I would actually give this about a three and a half. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I've enjoyed it enough to sit down next year and watch the movie again, but at some point I will sit down and watch Mortal Kombat again. And I would give it a little higher, a four to 4.25, because there were some nice little nods. Like after Johnny Cage defeats Scorpion... Uh, you know, he has that picture that gets thrown. Now, granted, this doesn't appear until Mortal Kombat 2, the video game, but he has that, you know, that, that picture that says, to my greatest fan. Because um, one of the biggest controversies that, uh, of course, Mortal Kombat brought to the video game world was the level of violence. And it was responsible for creating the electronic rating system board. And... So what they did in the second one is they started to introduce friendships where when you defeat a character, instead of killing them, you could do a friendship. And it would do things like, um, or maybe it wasn't three, I forgot which one they introduced it in, but like Johnny Cage, he throws out this picture that says to my greatest fan, and um, actually I think it wasn't three that they introduced them. And, like, Sub-Zero built a snowman, and, you know, just funny little things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I said I liked those little nods. I did enjoy Christopher Lambert's performance, even though his accent did change a bit during the course of the movie. Um, Like I said, his whole snark, how he was kind of snarky. So, like I said, that's why I'd give it about a 4 to 4.25. You know, it's a fun little movie. though. I am going to disagree with you on something. What's that? You said that there's only so much you can do with a video game. That I'm going to disagree with you on to an extent, because I think, well, because remember, video games are interactive. So uh, when you're programming a video game, you're pretty much limited by your imagination, your coding skill, and, of course, the, the, the power of the system that you're working on. But I think you can do more in a video game than a movie just because video games are interactive by their very nature. Okay, I, so. I accept your argument. But now answer this question. Was there a big, thick plot to this movie? No, not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's what I was getting at. Well, and see, the thing is, though, like I said, with Mortal Kombat, though, when you look at the overall story arc of the entire series... It's not something you're going to capture in a single movie, you know, well, no, even in a single not, game. But I mean, the entire plot-driven thing here was we're going to a tournament. That's it. Well, I think the character, the three main characters, did show some growth. You know, Liu Kang went from you know he worked up the the courage to confront his destiny. Um, Johnny Cage became a little less of a douchebag. And Sonya Blade became, you know, came to to trust others. So mm-hmm. there was a little bit I of growth there. I guess. You know what can I say? But overall, 
an enjoyable movie. And as I said, it sounds like both of us uh, agree. It's a kind of it's a kind of movie we would sit and watch again. Oh yeah, I think so. And maybe I would get more out of it if I watched it a second time. But we'll see. Yeah, because I think that happens a lot of times. Where I mean, even with uh, Troy the Odyssey, where if we were... never watching that again. <laughs> Revenge of the Bridesmaids? Nope. <laughs> I saw a little blood vessel start to pop up and steam shoot out of your, <laughs> shoot out of your ears. You know, I that, that one makes me mad. Troy the Odyssey, I didn't think it was going to be a great movie to begin with. But when, and, and I think we talked about it when we actually reviewed that one, is the way they wrote it up on Netflix, it sounded amazing. It sounded like a great com-rom, a rom-com. And it just was not. Yeah, that is true. But I mean, I mean, I'm sure that you know, with a lot of movies, if you do watch them a second or a third time, you do start to notice little things that you missed. Like if I watch the gamers again, I'll probably now I'm probably going to start looking for a purple ninja. Yeah, exactly. So I think we've said about all we can say about Mortal Kombat, uh, the movie, for now. And who knows? Said so maybe sometime in the future we will take a look at Mortal Kombat 2 Annihilation. So Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Any closing thoughts or words of wisdom? No, not really. I mean, uh, as far as I said, like I said, it's, it's, it's a movie worth watching. I mean, if you've never seen it, go watch it. It's on and, Netflix right now. And yep. who doesn't have a Netflix account? Or at least their buddy's password to Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and you said it does have some pretty good fight scenes in there as well. Yeah, it does. Well, with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. And uh, happy movie watching. And hey, if you play Mortal Kombat, happy gaming and finish him. Okay, that was kind of cheesy. I don't think I'm going to recover from that, am I? No, I say you just let that be the end of the episode. Yes, I think that's a good idea. Finish it. I I'm not I'm not recovering, am I? No. It's it's only no. going to go downhill from here, isn't it? Yep, just cut it off after the first finish him and just be done with the episode. Okay. I guess we should <laughs> end the episode now. Goodbye everybody. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at poigamestudio. Do you do a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing games, video games, or other topics of geek interest? Would you like to cross-promote your podcast on geekery in general? Then drop us a line on our Facebook page at POI Game Studio or POI Network, or contact us through our website at POIGamestudio.com, and we'll set something up.